0: Listen, the second service is always harder for me, so let's reverse it this week, okay? Yeah. I feel like I delivered the baby and then I have to start all over again, so. <laughs> No, I'm getting better at the second service. If I, um, if I was going to say to you, hi, Gina, it's good to see you. Um, and I, oh, I do wanna say, welcome, April and Tiffany just moved here from Indiana, from Indiana to make their home here. Stand up and say hello to everybody. He did that? Oh, I was in the bathroom, never mind, sit down. I'd like to welcome, actually. See what you miss when you use the restroom? If, if I was gonna uh, uh, say that today, I'm giving away $20,000 round the world vacations, who wants one? How many of you would lift up your hand? Not all of you, really? Wow. Who doesn't want to go? Oh, wow. Okay, let me try something else. If I just had the 20 thou up here, is there anybody that wouldn't come up? Okay, good. I don't know. Don't confuse me. So, this Gretchen's coming to get it right now. Uh, but if I said to you, I have a barrel up here full of something that... Is free for the taking, and it's yours, and you can have it. And you said, well, what's in it? And I said, suffering. How many would come up and get a a bucket full of suffering? Anybody? Okay, no takers. Hmm, that's interesting. But how many know that we we suffer in life, don't we? We all know that. Has anybody not figured that out yet? We we suffer in this life, but I don't think we've done well to know how to manage that, Amen. or to understand it. And so that's what I want to talk to you. I, I'm not preaching about suffering. I'm preaching about what happens, and how we manage it, and what what is going to go on in the midst of it. I was at the Esther's Place um, Harvest House slash Harvest House. I called the girl, the ladies. House Esther's place. I don't know if they do anymore or not, but anyway, we had a Christmas party Thursday night, and it was fabulous. They made great food. We just laughed and fellowshiped, and then and then the ladies and they decked the decorations were wild. They were just beautiful outside and inside. And then the ladies got up, and anybody that was there was asked to give um, something they're thankful about, a tidbit. About their life or whatever, and so many of them stood up. And, and as they were talking, I could hear, you know, the backstory, even if they're rejoicing, could hear the backstory of a lot of pain, a lot of suffering that had transpired in their life, you know and, and I know that most of us can identify with that um, in one way or the other. And, and the Spirit of the Lord began to speak to me, so I figured, uh-oh, I must be gonna preach on Sunday. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord began to speak to me about suffering. And, and he said, you know, people don't understand how very close I am during the suffering. They have it backwards. Because when we suffer and we go through something, what's the first thing we say? Where are you, God? Right? I mean, I hear this every day for the last three weeks. (laughs) No, I mean, you know, Jim is suffering, and he's like, God, you know, where are you? I'm like, he's right there. Shut up. (laughs) But we say that when we start to suffer, or we go through pain, we go through um you know betrayal we go through um, the death of, of of a loved one we go through just depression and, and addiction or or in the midst of recovery and trying to hang on to that and and, and and you don't and you don't feel god and you and the first thing we say is where are you and then we're like you know i know in my head i guess that you're here but i don't feel you i don't hear you where are you? And so we're going to talk about that today. I'm going to read. Uh, uh, and saying to talk about suffering, we have to first of all accept the fact that we will suffer. We have, we will, and we shall. We have, we have, we do, and we shall. Right? And, but Peter said something interesting about it, and I want you to throw that up there. Beloved. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though it's some strange thing. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice. This scripture here says, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering. So when we're going through a trial and we're going through a hard time, Peter is telling us to rejoice? What's that about? Are we supposed to do a jig? Are we supposed to, you know, be fake? I'm so happy I'm suffering. I'm in this pain. It's great. Is that what that means? What does it mean? What did Peter know when he said that, that we're to rejoice? Uh, Some of the, the apostles have gone so far as to say, to embrace it, I mean, does that mean we go looking for it, or does it just mean that maybe we shouldn't be afraid, and that we can gain some understanding on a work that can happen, and most of all, a relationship that can happen in the midst of it? So my main scripture today is Philippians 3, 7 to 10. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. And it's all this, you know, it's great. He's so, like, after Jesus. He says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may, this is my scripture, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I mean, that's all great scripture, and we just want to put a period there, don't we? The power of his resurrection, hallelujah. And then he goes on to say, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death and you know that just doesn't fly with our theology and we don't want it to what do you mean you know Jesus said I'm here to give you life and give it more abundantly is that not true well sure it is but what when Jesus said that he understood that you're going to have trouble in your life but he can make it all abundant. Mm-hmm. Whether you're in good time, whether you're in bad time, the abundance of God is available in every situation, even when it doesn't feel so abundant. Mm-hmm. Oops, don't do that to me. So in that scripture, that I might know him the power of his resurrection. That word "power" is dunamis. It's it's what it's the Greek word we get dynamite from. And then the fellowship of his suffering. That word "fellowship" is uh, koinonia, which some of you have probably heard of. And that is a deep fellowship and communion, an intimacy that happens in suffering. What? So. This struck home with me one time very, very um, deep in my spirit when some of you, um, you've heard of Heidi Baker. Um, She's a good friend of our family many years. She is a missionary, one of the greatest missionaries of today's modern age to the continent of Africa, mostly the nation of Mozambique, but all over Africa. And she's been, she suffered a lot in the way that she's given her life. She's had malaria countless times. Uh, God's healed her from MS. She, she's been stoned and shot at and stabbed and everything you can think of. Just a lot of suffering. And uh, she was being interviewed on CBN. Oh, this about 10 years ago, and I was watching the interview. And the lady interviewing her was talking to her about the things that if she's seen in Africa as they have just expanded and preached the good news of Christ. And and she's talking about how many people are raised from the dead. And over 100 people raised from the dead. I'm not talking about someone that stopped breathing for three minutes. But people are cold and stiff and that God is raised from the dead and that witnessed by hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people. and And so the gospel just spread like wildfire. They've planted, you know, I mean... Five years ago, it was 5,000 churches, or 10,000 churches. Anyway, I could go on and on. But this is what, you know, it's Christian television. We want to talk about the miracles. And so she's telling him, yeah, you know, and w- yeah, we've seen that many. And, and the lady's just asking her more questions. And Heidi's just sweet and just smiling. And, and, and the lady goes, yeah, it's like when you know him and you know the power of his resurrection, that dunamis, you know, and and Heidi's like, "Mm -hmm." and then the lady finishes the verse and goes, and the fellowship of suffering and was going to go on in the interview and Heidi just stopped her and she just looked at her so sweet. She, It's a very sweet smile, much sweeter than my smile. (laughs) Just sweet. She just looked at her. She said, it is a fellowship and it just Almost knocked me over because I suddenly I understood what she meant that all of those miracles that she has witnessed she's seen blind eyes I mean completely opaque eyes with no iris totally restored so many miracles the deaf constantly are healed, but she didn't focus on that the 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 life of god that i felt coming through that tv was when she said it is a fellowship and i thought oh my god there's a there's a communion that happens when we suffer and what we have we've failed to embrace that because we don't want to suffer i don't want to suffer oh, hallelujah charles we don't want to suffer uh, but something happens when we go through that that doesn't happen in other places. And, and there's a communion and a fellowship with Christ. How many know he was, he's a conquering king, but he was also a suffering savior? Yeah. He suffered. He suffered the loss of, you know, John the Baptist, his cousin, died at you know in his 30s and 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 he was betrayed by one of his disciples and you know the tide of public opinion turned against him he was betrayed and and mocked and you know went through uh, his own disciple denied him peter denied him when he went to the cross i mean he, a lot of pain and suffering and the sin of humanity on his back he was a man of sorrows and so When we're in a high place in life, yeah, he's a conquering king. You know, Jesus, I feel the life of God. It's flowing through me, hallelujah. And then we go down into the valley, and we're like, where's God? Where's God? What did I do? How many ever said that? What did I do, God? I don't feel your presence. You've left me or at least if you didn't leave me, you're mad at me. And I wanna declare to you today that that is when he is the closest to you. He is the closest to you in your time of sorrow and in your time of suffering, because there's a communion and a fellowship and an intimacy and a character building, I might add, that goes on. That's why we have to embrace it. If we don't embrace it, instead of it doing all of that, we become bitter and angry, right? Mad at life, mad at God, but when we embrace it knowing that there is a communion with Christ in it, makes all the difference. We have to know how to manage our pain. We have to know how to manage our suffering and understand what it's doing within our life. So I'm going to tell you a story. Um, One of the times where, in my young life, where, you know, God was starting to teach me those things. Let me tell you, when I grew up, I didn't suffer any pain. I've had two parents that love me, and I was the apple of their eye. I was never molested. never got addicted to anything. I just had a nice middle-class life. And then um, God called Jim and I to do what we've done here in Sarasota and reached out to the broken and and the poor and the lost and the depressed and the addicted and all of the things that life throws at people. And I felt very ill-equipped to do it, very. And I didn't even know, I didn't even know, in my heart how to do it because I didn't understand the pain. I didn't understand the pain. So let me tell you something. But I just want to add 35 years later, I understand the pain now, okay? (laughs) God has to, let me tell you that not only does God want communion with you, not only does suffering bring us into communion with Christ, but it brings us into communion with one another. Because I don't understand your pain until I suffer. It's when I understand it. Then there's, then there's fellowship. I love you, Michael. Then there's fellowship. There's fellowship. When we, because we care. Because we have empathy with someone. See, it does a good work in us. We don't like it. We're not looking for it, but it does a good work in us. So we came here in 1984, and in 1987, in 1984, we, you know, pioneered the church and started to gather some people. God was adding to us these wonderful people, and we became friends with a certain couple. And they were hilarious and loved God, and we got along great, and they went through some tough times, and... We were there for them and and he became our praise and worship leader, and it was wonderful. And then we had another woman who um, like became the grandmother to my children because we didn't have any family here. and she I had five children, we had five children, so she helped me as we were struggling to plan a church and working side jobs and pastoring a church and and they were wonderful. and and then one time, uh, a, a time came that, the one lady of the married couple decided that she had a doctrine that she wanted to uh, spread throughout the church, and it was this doctrine of demons. And I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember when the demon theology was, you know, everybody has a demon, and people are throwing up in buckets, and you're getting rid of your demon. And if you, everybody had a demon. If you think you don't have a demon, you have a demon that's telling you that you don't have a demon. You know, it's just, I know some of you haven't been through all of this decades and decades like we have but trust me some crazy things can happen in the church (laughs) trust me and so we were young we were i don't know 34 or something and we told her no don't pass these books out don't preach this we had young couples that were getting saved in our church getting married you know just we were seeing wonderful salvations and it's confusing them and it was it it was it was craziness well she didn't like being told no and so after a while she took offense and her and her husband decided to leave the church and they wrote um a 25 page letter typewritten as to why we were heretics and uh and she, she was good at it because she had a Ph.D. in rhetoric from LSU, okay? So she, she was very compelling. She was very smart. She was attractive. She, she made a good case. I, I was believing it, you know? I'm like, God, we are heretics. And they passed it out throughout this community to every pastor, and they hand-delivered it to every member of our church. And uh, it split our church. I think 60% of the people walked. And uh, they they started their own church. And they called it The Remnant. <laughs> the Remnant. Like, they were the only ones left that, you know. Anyway. So I don't have any ill feelings, believe me. So they... Um, they invited us to dinner one night. We had no idea this was going on. It was the end of 1987. And they lowered the boom and just let us have it. And I was devastated, and I just cried. And I went in the bathroom. I couldn't even keep myself together. And I'm not, very, I'm not an emotional person. And I was like... And so the next day, we went, we left. Next day I got up, I called my grandmother friend who took care of our children and was my buddy, and I called her up to tell her what happened because I needed somebody to, you know, love me. And uh, she said to me, Peggy, Harvest Tabernacle's coming down. I can still hear her voice. I can still hear it. And I... I, I laid down on the count, kitchen countertop and just started weeping, and, and I couldn't even talk, and then she just kept saying one thing after another, just accusations, and I, I, w- I was like, oh, that's not true. That's not true, and then I couldn't even talk, and I, I finally said, I have to hang up. And I hung up, and, uh, and, and I, I just can't even tell you. Uh, so for days, all I did was cry, and I had five kids, Matt was probably a baby then, yeah, like a year old. And so, but some of them were old enough to know something was wrong with mom and their eyes are swollen. And and, uh, I said, I kept telling them, oh, I know, mommy's sick. I got the flu, you know, and I couldn't get over it. And so one day, three days went by and I was like, where are you God? Really? Are you kidding me? I don't feel anything. I know, you know, I can't help what these people are saying, but where are you? I feel nothing. You're not talking. I don't feel anything. I don't. The heavens are brass. I, I, my prayers aren't going anywhere. And I, I just said, do you not like us either? Because obviously, people don't like us. Have you joined the, their crowd too, that you don't like us anymore? Nothing. I mean I didn't feel I didn't feel nothing. I was quoting scriptures. Finally I just gave up. I'm like, "Okay, well I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to starve. And and nobody likes us." So I put ashes on my head and ripped my And uh so I was in our living room and I was vacuuming uh back in the day when we had rugs. And, and, And I was vacuuming. And I remember the exact spot I was standing. I wasn't praying. I wasn't even thinking about the Lord. I was just vacuuming. And I felt the presence of the Lord come into the room. And he spoke to me one phrase. He said, is the servant greater than his master? And I said, oh, Oh. And I began to understand that, you know, Jesus suffered. He was betrayed. He was lied about. And when we go, he went, he was God. And he went through the hard stuff. Another place he says, Is the student greater than the teacher? No. We identify with those suffering, the sufferings of Christ when we go through those things. But more importantly, he identifies with us. He comes to that place. Well, Peggy, you know, he's always with us. Yeah, 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 I know that. But you know those times when he comes. You know what it's like to feel his presence just, And you know he's real. No one can ever talk you out of it. He speaks to you a word, something. And you know, and that communion, that heart-to-heart communion begins to take place. Don't don't. so ultimately God is relational. That's what this is all about. He created Adam and Eve. He stuck them in the garden, and he'd go for walks with them. And then that all got messed up, and, you know, and he's reaching out to the, He said, well, I'm going to have a people. I'm going to have Israel. I want relationship with them. You know, and that was just one up and down, up and down, up and down, until and he sent his son to establish relationship because God wants relationship. And that's why he's always saying, you know, fear not. I am with you. How many times over and over again through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, Jesus is like, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. The Bible says he's closer than a brother. I mean, over and over. Fear not. Fear not. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Be strong. Be of good courage. And the minute we go into suffering, we're like, God, where are you? Are you mad? I know that was a dumb thing I did. And you know... Sometimes, sometimes we just get sick. Sometimes, you know, we're betrayed and, and didn't earn it. But sometimes we end up in a place of suffering because of our own doing. I know there's nobody in here like that. <laughs> no. You know, we, you know, we're, we're flesh and we do dumb things sometimes, some more than others, you know, no, seriously, we, we make choices, and we end up suffering, and so, but, so then we think, well, okay, you know, if, my, if so-and-so betrayed me, or, you know, I'm sick with whatever, you know, I know God still loves me, but, but I did X, Y, and Z, so now he's mad, He's going to draw back from me because I am so dumb and I have done so and so. So I want to address that with you today. I'm going to tell you another story. And this one is out of the Old Testament. Give me about hmm, eight minutes and I'll be done. Anybody ever hear of the prophet Hosea? Okay, so I'm going to tell you this. Those of you that love to read and want to know more about the love and the grace and the redeeming power of God, read the book, Redeeming Love. Most amazing book. One of the most amazing books I've ever read, Redeeming Love. And it's a contemporary novel about the book of Hosea, and it is unbelievable. So God comes to the prophet Hosea because Israel is like us they're up they're down they're trusting God and then they're like oh I don't know where God is let's go over here and so there's this back and forth relationship with the Lord and so God comes to Hosea and he says you're my prophet I want you to go marry a prostitute and he's like I rebuke you devil (laughs) and and so he did And so the book of Hosea is about this relationship and how he keeps loving her and she keeps running off and doing crazy things and and getting just dirty in life and and going with other men and just running the streets and just crazy. And then he loves her and brings her back. And then it happens again. And then he loves her. And the whole book, you know, and at one point he's like, you know, I'm... No, come. Come back to me. So I want to read in Hosea 2. This is one of those moments when God is calling her back. When Hosea is calling Gomer back and the spirit of the Lord is speaking. And he's speaking about the spiritual aspect of it. And he says, therefore, behold, I will allure her. Now, I want you to understand that Hosea is a type of Christ, okay? And Gomer is us. Gomer was Israel. Gomer is us, you know? I mean, we're, we're trying, but, you know, we make dumb choices sometimes. So I want to put this to rest today that when you make a dumb choice, this is God's attitude. And this is Old Testament, okay? Okay. It's so going be foreshadows everything from the Old Testament to the New. I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness, which is actually the desert. We've been to Israel. You go over there. There's no wilderness and trees. It's all desert. That's what that means. So he brings her into the desert to speak kindly to her. There's another uh, translation that says to speak tenderly and heart to heart with her in that desert place next then i will give her vineyards from there give her her vineyards from there and the valley of achor as a door of hope and you're like that, you know what does that mean well when you go back a little bit more in history the valley of achor was very significant when the children of israel came through into the promised land the first city they conquered was Jericho. You know, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho and the walls come tumbling down. That's their first conquering moment. The first city that they took. And so when they did, the Lord said, "Don't take any spoils out of there. The first is mine." Principle throughout the scriptures, the first fruits of what we have go to God. And so he said, you can't have any of the spoils in the first city. They're all mine. And so Achan, one of the, one of the people of Israel, decided that he wasn't going to listen to that. And so he took some of the stuff. He hid it in his tent. It was a big mess. Israel began to be defeated by their enemies. And so Moses or Joshua is like, what's going on here? And God's like, ah, Achan has disobeyed me. And so there is a um, God brings judgment down. Achan is killed. It's a big mess. This all happened in the Valley of Achor. And that word Achor means trouble. The Valley of Trouble is as it was known. And then God speaks through Hosea. I love it, Jim, that God, they, they know what happened. The children of Israel know what happened in Acor. He said, and he said, in the valley of Acor, in the valley of trouble, there'll be a gateway to hope, a door of hope, an opportunity to hope again, again. You know, and it was an is a geologic I mean uh, geographically, very tough terrain, high, steep, like, Walls, dark. It's a scary place, a history of death. But God says, No, no, no. I take the valley of Acor and I turn it into hope. And the message, title of my sermon today is Presence in the Valley. You see, that's where he shines, is in the valley. And we don't always live in the valley, but we have to know what's happening when we're in the valley. We have to know that God is there and he wants to commune with you and he's making you into something. You know, it wasn't until I suffered in life that I understood other people's pain and could have communion with them and care. And it was going through heartbreaking experiences that tore all of that out of me so i could have communion so i could look into someone's eyes and not judge them let me tell you god said this today through me because i can't claim it but it's a quote okay scripture says that he is married to the backslider god is married to the backslider okay and all of a sudden it just came out that when other people are casting stones at you, when other people are saying, you know, it's 10 times now, and I've given you 10 chances, and there ain't no more, that's when God is hearing wedding bells. Come on. Come on. Oh, yeah. Now, if you put that on Facebook, you have to give me credit for it, all right? <laughs> Listen, when, you're, when you have made the worst decisions, me too, when we end up in, 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 in Heartbreak Valley, yeah. and everybody else is saying, mm, 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 mm. I'm done with him, her, it, whatever. Yeah. God says, No, there's hope. There's hope for you because I'm with you. I'm, I'm in the very darkest places. You know, the psalmist says, I'll take the wings of the morning and fly to the othermost parts of the sea. You're there. We can't run from him. Yeah. And if I make my bed in hell, which we often do. God, I find you're there too. He's there. But more importantly, well, not more importantly, He's there and He wants fellowship with you. And even if you don't hear Him sometimes, a lot of times we don't, He's there and He is working. He is doing His thing and He is bringing hope and light and grace and future to your life. So I want to close today. Um, Everybody says amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Uh, That I was reading um, a few years ago, I was reading Psalm 23, and I never saw this before, and it's... uh, And it really helped me to also understand that this is true when we are suffering. Uh, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the... Okay, so stop right there. All these verses have been what we call in the third person. The third person is she, he, they, third person, okay? First person is I when I'm talking. I did this, I did that. Second person is you. So there's first person, I, second person, you, third person, he. So David is talking in the third person. It's a removed, kind of removed. The Lord is my shepherd. He's talking about him. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What happens here? For you are with me. It's subtle, but it's powerful. You know, oh, I'm talking about the nice pastures, the still water. Oh, he does this, he does that. And then all of a sudden, we all find ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death. And now it's relationship you are with me i will fear no evil so be encouraged today this isn't a, a message on suffering it's a message on his presence it's a message on hope it's a message that he never gives up on us that his grace and his love and his mercy endure forever forever and so when we, because some of you are suffering now, and some of you will in the future, and some of you have. But don't waste the sorrow. Don't waste the suffering by becoming hard, angry, bitter. Embrace it and have that communion with Christ and allow that what is worked in your heart to give you that communion and understanding for your brother and sister and the rest of the world. Amen? amen. All right. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we, uh, we just love your presence, Jesus. Where would we be without your love and your presence? So I just ask that this word will take root in our lives, God, and encourage your people today and bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a good week.